Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. I hope that you will pre-order my new book today. It's called Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. It's available on Amazon or anywhere you'd like to order books. And that book, by the way, is turning out to be a really crucial addendum to the media madness going on as we enter the final weeks of the 2020 campaign. And it's only going to get worse. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. There is so much to talk about, and it's beginning to feel like this media frenzy is much like exactly four years ago going into the 2016 campaign. The latest scandal as I record this is the controversy over the reporting of a particular story reported by a left-wing blog called The Atlantic. The background very briefly is There's a story sourced to anonymous people in the Atlantic claiming that President Trump several years ago referred in private to fallen U.S. soldiers as losers and suckers. And other media have claimed to confirm the story, likewise by talking to sources who made the same claims. But numerous on-the-record sources, and Trump himself say that never happened, uh, those sources on the record include former Ambassador John Bolton, who is no fan of Trump's, and says he never heard any such language used. There are a number of controversies about all of this, how it was reported, maybe how journalists should report in general, the way that they often are not reporting by the standards of days past. And I'm looking at this with you today. As a journalist, you at home, if you're not a reporter, of course, free to conclude whatever you want. You can pass along rumors, make up stories, fabricate things, or simply conclude that something is the truth even based on little to no information. This is all your prerogative. Even analysts and pundits can get away with advocating and drawing conclusions and taking sides because of the nature of the work they do. But I'm speaking as if a hard news reporter covering the story on the news, how these sorts of things used to be covered based on our ethics and standards and how all of that's changed, something I've written extensively about in my other books, Stonewalled and The Smear, and in the new book coming out, Slanted. So one of the controversies, how it was reported, how many news organizations 
are treating something as news that is really little more than a rumor, or at least would have been considered not very newsy just a few years back, but somehow it's been made into the campaign story of the day. In fact, several days through the use of classic smear tactics that you know about if you read my book, The Smear. This is textbook, and if you've heard me discuss smears, I'm not claiming in this case to know the truth of whether President Trump said these things in private or not. In fact, that's probably the point of our discussion here. No journalist who wasn't in the room knows that for sure. But I will say that sometimes smears can be true. How can that be, you might ask, if you haven't heard me talk about this? Well, something qualifies as a smear under my definition if it has certain characteristics, including if it is something that is amplified beyond its normal organic reach, and if the goal is the annihilation or destruction of a political target, as in the case at hand. Another controversy in this story is the use of anonymous sources. What are our guidelines for relying on anonymous sources? We used to have strict standards about using them. I know we have them at CBS, and I've always abided by them. I discussed this with, at CBS, it was our attorneys and my producers, if we have to use anonymous sources or consider using anonymous sources. So we had these standards for years, but today the New York Times, the Atlantic, CNN, most every news outlet that I know of has disregarded or redefined these standards about when we do and don't use anonymous sources and how, and they've redefined them or tossed them out the window with very little pushback. In fact, pretty much no pushback from major journalism ethics organizations. And so we've established new standards or lack of standards without much discussion about it as news organizations. Why do we or why did we have standards? Well, in my view, the standards are developed so that we use them no matter what to keep our reporting honest, to protect us, and to make sure that our reporting is as accurate and fair as possible, even when we're reporting on those we do not like, perhaps especially when we're reporting on those we do not agree with. Another phenomenon I discuss in my new book, Slanted, is the fact that citing the existence of standards or saying that we should have standards in journalism in today's environment or pointing to lack of adherence to standards often means that detractors will accuse you of defending Trump. Way off point. That's been a new dynamic the past five or six years that didn't used to be so pervasive in journalism. It's where we are today, however. There's more controversy about this story over other reporters saying they've confirmed the story when all they've done is simply confirm that there are people making certain claims. I mean, by the logic that you've confirmed a story simply by having sources tell you the same thing they've told others, by that logic, if talking to multiple sources is taken as confirmation, then in fact, you've debunked the story when you've heard from on-the-record sources, as in this case, and the target himself, Trump, saying none of this happened. What's the difference? In fact, you've done neither. You've neither debunked the story nor confirmed the story by hearing sources say different things. You can only say, as a news journalist following normal standards, what each side has said. Absent documentary evidence that tells us one way or another, or absent a stark admission, for example, if Trump were to acknowledge he said these things, you would not have to couch these as allegations or claims any longer. Short of that, short of that, our obligation as reporters and our obligation to accuracy and fairness dictates that we simply 
report what each side claims at this stage. The only documentary evidence I've seen, at least as of the time of this recording, is evidence that actually belies one of the claims against Trump that he didn't want to go to a cemetery in France where U.S. soldiers are buried, but documents were produced showing there was a weather cancellation that was not his decision. So the little documentary evidence that's out there seems to go against some of the claims, at least, that have been reported. But as a journalist, what is it important to do when a story like this comes to you? And I have little doubt that this story was peddled or brought to the Atlantic. It's not as though an investigative reporter has been digging into this for several years and finally got people, anonymous sources, to confirm something he could report. This is a case, in my experience, based on what I know, that happens all too often where people with access to grind and political operatives will go to political operatives in the media, or friendlies as they call them, and get them to report things, sometimes by name on the record, but often anonymously as anonymous sources, and get them to put claims in the public record, which then allows other news organizations who feel a certain way to report those claims as if news, the reaction to those claims. And just to go off a little bit on a slight tangent, I'm quite certain that whoever wanted to plant this story about President Trump would rather have had it published in the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN or NBC. And I would bet that they peddled it to those places first because most people have never heard of the Atlantic. But even those other news organizations, as much as they have expressed distaste and dislike for Trump and sometimes done irresponsible reporting, the nature of these allegations being old with no news peg and with anonymous sources who are not willing to put their names out there, I think that even those publications would have passed this story up. Thus, they went to or ultimately found a reception at the Atlantic. But then all they know, as I've reported in the smear, if they can just get the allegation out there, even in a semi-credible news outlet or blog or quasi-news outlet like the Atlantic, then that gives the excuse for the others who said, well, it doesn't really meet what standards we have, they now have the excuse to report the reaction to it and the follow-up to it. That's how propagandists have learned they can get a story that doesn't really merit news into the news cycle. It happens all too often now. But as a journalist, when these stories come to you or are brought to you, which I always look twice at someone carrying a story to me, doesn't mean it's not newsworthy, but it requires a lot of extra work when someone wants you to publish something attacking a candidate during a political time and doesn't want their name used. Those are a lot of red flags you have to just check very carefully. But also in the mix, we have to consider in this environment the past use of anonymous sources by a lot of major news organizations and how wrong those stories have been, how wrong those anonymous sources have been so many times. I won't rehash that here, but I am listing some of the major media mistakes in some of these podcasts that I do, you can find a big list of them at CherylAckison.com if you search media mistakes in the era of Trump. And you just go down that list, you'll find so many examples of past anonymous sources being relied upon by major news organizations for things that turned out to be entirely false. Also, I think this should be looked at as a classic smear operation. If you're a reporter and you know anything about this industry, then you know that 
this requires a lot of extra work once again before you would report something to make sure that you're not being used as a tool, a political tool. For example, ask yourself, even if true, let's say as a reporter, even if you believe President Trump several years ago called U.S. fallen soldiers and private losers and suckers, then how newsworthy is this really? Another controversy I see with this story is that claims by the anonymous sources are being treated by some more credibly than the on-the-record denials. People say, well, we believe the anonymous sources because President Trump lies and has a history of lying. But on the other hand, they're not looking at the history of the false claims by anonymous sources and these very publications in many cases. Why isn't that a factor if you say the history of the target's also a factor? And another example of unequal treatment that belies the bias on some of these news organizations They believed former Ambassador Bolton when he was critical of President Trump, but now when Bolton is saying he never heard Trump say any such thing about suckers and losers, well, they don't believe him. All of this should be factored into your reporting. And if you're trying to examine the relevance and newsworthiness of claims like this, even if true as a reporter, you should be as an exercise asking yourself things such as, If this president now has a track record of three and a half years in office of how he behaves toward the military, how critical or important is it that he would have said these things a couple of years ago? Um, is Is it really headline news that should be chewed upon day after day? We should be asking ourselves why those making the claims demand anonymity. Now, of course, they're saying, well, they're afraid they will be attacked on social media and things like that, but that's really Normally, not a good enough reason to give someone anonymity as a journalist. At least it used to be not good enough. And this close to an election especially, we would normally, well, always be circumspect about using anonymous sources, but even more so now to make sure that we're not impacting an election or being used as a political tool in political games. Uh, Something else I would ask myself if this story had been brought to me, I would say, well, if the cancellation of the cemetery appointment was Trump's doing, and he really has such disdain for fallen U.S. soldiers, then why was it on the schedule in the first place? People don't understand the president has a great deal of control over his own schedule. If he really hates or disdains U.S. fallen troops, that wouldn't have gone on the schedule to begin with. Many presidents have skipped or not planned all kinds of military ceremonies for different reasons. Certainly Trump didn't have to schedule this and then cancel it and create a controversy over that, he would just not have scheduled it in the first place. And why, if he has a feeling about going to military cemeteries or cemeteries where U.S. soldiers are buried and he considers them suckers and losers, as the story goes, why has he gone to other cemeteries where fallen soldiers are buried and so many other military events? I would just be asking myself this question as I try to play devil's advocate when someone brings claims to you as I typically try to do with a story. And I would also ask myself, what is the track record of the anonymous stories and sources? Some of these reporters may be relying on some of the same sources they've used in the past that have turned out to be incorrect. Maybe they're using different sources that they believe to be more credible, but you can't help but look back at the recent history to see how much has gone wrong to see that even some of the most credible sources, at least people who were considered credible, and worked in the Obama and or Trump administration proved to be dead wrong. You have to at least take that in your mind into consideration 
And there are so many cases, but let's just look at the Russian dossier that was leaked by top U.S. officials and intelligence and political figures to numerous news outlets. Kind of a similar case of the one I theorized or described now where a lot of reporters may have wanted to report that Russian dossier back in 2016 that had negative information about President Trump, but it was peddled for a long time. And even the news organizations that did not like Trump would not publish it because they did have some standards after all. But once these leakers and propagandists were able to get one organization, BuzzFeed, to publish something of it, then everybody else jumped on it. It became a giant uh, news item. And of course, everybody was sure that all of these things were true. There were multiple sources. It was everybody from the New York Times to the Washington Post to CNN to all the networks. And it all in the end proved to be completely false. Again, we have to remember as news organizations to be careful and to think about recent history when we're looking at reporting new things and new controversies such as the ones at hand. I'll be back with more right after a short break. We're back. So I have reviewed some of the thought processes I think journalists should be going through when they're reporting stories anytime, but particularly the final weeks before a major election, the 2020 election here, the kinds of questions we ought to be asking, the controversies we should be taking into consideration from the past, use of anonymous sources, how to verify, how to report things. But what does this mean to you? I think that at home, you can watch the news and identify some of these flaws in reporting, what I think are flaws, and use some of your own critical thinking as you watch the news and try to figure out what's real and what to believe. I always say, when I watch the news and I first hear a report about something, it's not that it's not necessarily true, but I withhold judgment on whether something's true or not, and I think to myself, who wants me to believe this and why? Because in today's environment, somebody has worked hard to get that item on the news and to be reported a certain way. And it's up to you, I think, to dig a little deeper and figure out who's pulling strings. Are there ulterior motives? Am I getting the whole truth? Am I getting all of the context? And maybe reserve judgment. And it's a good time to bring up something else. We did a story maybe one or two years ago on something called deep fakes which is artificial intelligence now available on a pretty wide scale that allows people, even people with not much more than a computer at home, to take images and make people look like they're saying things they're not, doing things they're not, recording audio that makes it look like people are saying things they didn't. You can find this story by going to fullmeasure.news and searching deep fakes. And I'm mentioning this because the technician, the technical expert that we spoke to said one of the big fears is as this technology gets better and better and more seamless, the fear is that this could be used to impact an election. And one example he gave was a political candidate could be made to look like he said something very controversial and it would look seamless. This video or the audio recording would sound seamless. And by the time it's debunked or disproven, if ever, quite frankly, it's too late. It's already impacted the election. And if you don't think there are people out there right now, either foreign countries or political opponents here in the U.S., trying to do these very sorts of things because so much is at stake, then you're wrong because I know they are. 
And our government is actually watching this from a national security standpoint, but I, I don't think it's on the radar of a lot of people. A lot of people talk about knowing they can't necessarily believe everything they see online, but at the same time, the same people will watch a video of something that looks like something happened and think that they can believe their own eyes and think that what they see, if it looks like a real representation of something, really happened and maybe not know how professionally these things can now be faked and changed and altered. So just something to keep in mind as we roll into that November election date. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Look for the premiere of Full Measure, September 13th, this coming Sunday. That's our season six. We have all kinds of original, in-depth, and investigative reporting planned. We are not on the typical narrative. Full Measure, as you may know if you've watched any of our first five seasons, is more like traditional news used to be in the sense of a wide variety of topics, looking even at what's considered untouchable today, looking at various views, underreported angles, whistleblowers, both sides of stories that are now often covered in a one-sided fashion exclusively. That's full measure to find out where you can find a TV station that airs us near you or how you can watch online or on demand. Go to CherylAckison.com and click the full measure tab for details. Also, anytime, remember, you can go to fullmeasure.news online fullmeasure.news online and see the replay of the latest program segments or any programs and you can do searches there too. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.